position. Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go! The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of the egalitarian Linux-like platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which everyone, total meritocracy, everyone, regardless of size, amount of money, regardless of amount of developers, and prospective sales, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know. Uh, join us on Steam and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news. We have the latest titles that we are interested in. Of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews. And then we have, of course, everyone's favorite, the deals. Uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for Members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the Linux gaming on, bitches! Welcome to episode number 272 of the Best Linux Games Podcast. Being recorded for you on this Friday the 10th of January 2020 at uh, 19 hours uh, p.m. Pacific Coast time, left coast coast with most timers from Los Dixon uh, 7 p.m. left coast time and for our sequel friends that would make it uh, 2020 2010 which sounds like the punchline to a joke written in nonsense 2020 um, or maybe the coordinates to Lost Buried Treasure in uh, a science fiction film. Anyway, Crack Engineer, ah, bang, Ivor Molina over there in the booth. Ah, uh, he's looking well. You're looking well, Ivor. That's cool. That's good because you're fired. He's holding up the whiskey sign though, so we have to take a drink. Cheers to uh, for holding sign and old acquaintance Beaver God, and you are fucking fired. Should old Ivor not be fired? It's time to fire Ivor. Now you're fired. Cheers, ladies and germs. We have a huge show. Ooh. 
excuse my phone, Sweet Delicious Whiskey. The only, the only autoerotic response I respond to anymore. Only the whiskey understands me. Hang on while I mute everything. There we go. All right, so let's get straight to our top story, shall we? Because we have a lot to talk about this week. First off, this week, I want to say a huge motherfucking thank you to Alan Jude of BSD Now, TechSnap, author of many books, and uh, author of many, 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 many technical uh, BSD documents and uh, several books, along with M.W. Lucas, who's also really cool. But I owe Alan Jude a huge thank you this week because, as I intimated, I think last week, although I haven't listened to the that show, I don't ever listen to the to last week's show unless something really horrible happened or I get like a lot of feedback about something. Um, that's just the truth. I don't have time. Who the fuck? And listening to my fuck, listen to me talk puts me to sleep. So anyway, I am in the process. I was in the pl- process of planning process of planning, try saying that after fucking 30 hours of whiskey I was in the process of planning um, the expansion of my ZFS array um, which is 24 terabytes Z1 you know, RAID Z1 uh, array, so 12 terabytes storage usable mirrored across 6 drives spread out across 6 drives so I can endure any single failure you know, blah 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 blah. 4 terabyte drives Six four terabyte drives, and I'm been in. I, I I purchased uh, the first two of the six eight terabyte drives, and then I ordered the other four today. But my problem was this on the interwebs. And by the way, if you want to get into ZFS ZFS for those of us here on the southern part of uh, America or the central part of America, I guess. As opposed to Canada or uh, America del Sur. Um, for those of you who want to get into ZFS, ZFS, it is fantastic. It has saved my life many times. But this is the first time that I've had to actually upgrade an array in place. And if you want to know more about it, there's one great book. If you're like me and you like... I'm not saying this just because Alan Jude, well, we'll get back to him in a moment, but I have to tell you this story, because it's, it's so crazy. It was awesome. But the book that you need, if you're like me and you like to learn from a book, and you like to learn from a really good book, written by really, really, really infinitely smarter people than yourself, that's like who I want to read the book from, who know how to write, who know how to keep it light, but keep it fucking tight and technically accurate, short to the point, with a bit of humor, uh, but with all the technical nuance and detail that you could really want, you want to get into ZFS, which is the best fucking arrays that you'll ever run. I'm, I'm, I mean, I go back. Always, and I said I've never run any drives in any arrays ever again. Blah, 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 blah. That was years and years ago. ZFS is fantastic. I won't extol the virtues of the file system, but the book that you need to get is FreeBSD Mastery ZFS ZFS by Michael W. Lucas and the aforementioned legendary hero of song, story, myth, and internet legend, 
who I will not call Dubstep Allen. Oh man, I wish we had that music. But Dubstep Allen. No, I will not do that. I can't do that because this guy was the nicest guy ever. So this morning I was looking at, I, I, I know how to run my array and stuff. I've done basically like everything that I could think of with my array, uh, either dry runs or, you know, blah. I'm talking about going back five years ago, six years ago when I set it up, something like that. Um, but I was brushing up on the commands that I would need to do in sequence and the information that I would actually need because it's, like I said, it's been a while. I run a ZFS scrub like once a month. I don't even have a cron script that does it anymore. I just remember to do it, which is bad. Poor fucking system administration practices, but whatever. I used to have it all fucking automated, but whatever. It doesn't matter. So, I was brushing up on the commands that I would need to know and the information that I would need to know in case everything went wrong. And it occurred to me that, because what we're doing is we're we're replacing the drives in place one at a time. So we pull a drive out of the array, we plug in the new, that was a B4 terabyte drive, then we plug in a, the new 8 terabyte drive. I don't even know if that was English. We plug in a 8 terabyte drive. We pull out the f- old, one of the old 4 terabyte drives we plug in in its place in the same SATA slot uh, one of the new 8 terabyte drives which by the way you can get for like 150 bucks on Amazon um, and then you have to do some ZFS wizardry to make it restart resilvering it's not that difficult it's like 3 commands just like everything else in ZFS it's like Three terminal commands can like destroy your life. <laughs> it's so hardcore. It's great. Um, and then it starts resilvering. And because this is from four to eight, I'm gonna say it's probably gonna take a, maybe a week, somewhere between three days and eight days. So it's a massive operation, and I have to do this six times. And I have two of the drives now, and the other four are arriving uh, on Monday, I think. So I'm getting, you know, fucking fairly serious. The only reason why um, I didn't do it already is because I knew that I had to record this week's episode of the podcast, which we're doing now. And it occurred to me, because in this one page I was reading, and then another page I was reading, and then another page I was reading, then I started to get worried, so I started actively Googling it. Some people said whatever you do if you're resilvering you know like a large array this is a 24 terabyte array don't use the array while it's resilvering or you'll fuck everything up you don't want to use the array you don't want to do any you don't read write touch think about it's like when you touch yourself the saints cry that's how you should feel about the array and then other people are like no it's totally fine but those people were in the vast minority and on top of that, I mean, I went through like six, seven, eight, nine, uh, about seven, yeah, about seven different uh, forms, web pages, how tos, but mainly it was um, this creeping feeling of badness where the people who were adamant that you could use the array, all of those posts were like really old, all the other posts were like really new that say, no, you can't ever use it again until it's done resilvering. And so that got me to thinking, well, I don't know how to turn off my array, because it's, it, it's, it's 
my na my NAS, it's like you could think of it as a network attached storage block, but it's actually in this computer, which is by design because I don't have fucking room for another goddamn anyway. And it works out fine. Um, but I realized I didn't know if there even was a command while you're resilvering a drive to turn off the array, which I thought would probably just turn off the array and stop the resilvering, which would be very bad. And so I need to know definitively what if it's okay to access the array while you're resilvering a drive. Because what it's doing is it's rebuilding the drive that you pulled exists in parity and metadata distributed across the remaining five disks. It's, you know, we pulled disk one out of, we pulled disk zero out of five, you know, disk one out of six for likes of you who don't like Bash. Um, mm. Or who are unfamiliar with arrays, depending on your language. Um, and then you plug in the eight terabyte drive. Then you tell the array, hey, we're replacing this other drive. You give it the serial number for the old drive or the uh, Gparted, or not Gparted, uh, whatever, uh, ID for it. You can do it by the serial number too, which is great. One of the nice features of ZFS is that you can do it by the serial number. Like, you don't have to fucking remember. Like, anyway, but no, it's, it's good to remember and I do have a diagram somewhere around here when I set this system up of exactly how my hard drives are structured but I don't know where the fuck that diagram it's in one of these notebooks over here I just actually motioned as if you could see me I'm losing my mind, friends and neighbors no, I'm not stoned yet, but I will be I will be you will be mm. so you plug in the new 8 terabyte drive which is double the size of the old drive and then from the remaining drives in the uh, Z, RAID Z1 array um, it assembles all the data that was on that missing drive and puts it on the new drive and then you do this five more times as you can imagine because Z, you know RAID Z1 can only sustain um, a degraded uh, I can't remember if it's a VDEV or a pool, it doesn't matter, they're both the same thing more or less, technical distinctions if the array is degraded meaning that a drive has failed or has been removed or is offline for some reason this is a really intensely delicate complex and time consuming process as your computer now is basically summoning a new drive from the grave and implanting it just like it was before right back in place meanwhile it offloads I think it offloads the other stuff actually it has to, it offloads the other stuff like you know, read write, all the normal shit that you do on your computer to the other five working drives because of this having a conflicting message on whether or not it's safe to actually be able to read or write from the array while you're resilvering is quite the problem because if you're wrong one way or the other the odds are very good that you are fucked so I spent two hours and I 
like three o'clock in the morning this morning. I was like, you know, fuck it. Popped open. I mean, I was drunk as fuck. I am way drunk now. This might be an hour and a half long episode. I'm sorry, people, but I gotta tell this story because this is like, this is totally, <laughs> this is totally who Alan Jude is. So I pop open the Twitter. It's three o'clock in the morning. And I go to the DM, I hit the DM button, I type in Alan Jude. And then I send in like a 250 word message. It was it was pretty tight. By my standards, it was very tight. Um, you know, and technically yeah, technically accurate. Ultimately, bottom line, Master Jude. I- I'll read it to you. <laughs> this is so great. I'm sorry, I just love that this happened and don't do not do this to him if you don't need to but I needed to because this is, this is where all of my computers back up to all my remote servers back up to this machine all the porn on the interwebs on this machine this is like my post-apocalyptic porno repository it's very important to me and also you know, my childhood memories and fucking uh, every video game I've ever played and, you know, <laughs> all the Minecraft servers I've blown up. Anyway, so I sent him this message. Master Jude, hate to bother you with this, but my beloved ZFS book, yours and Lucas's, of course, isn't exactly clear on this and I find conflicting information on the web. I'm planning on upgrading my RAID Z array to bigger disks one at a time in place because I need more storage, not because of drive failure. What I need to know is, is it safe to use the array while it resilvers? It is a 24TB array across 6 4TB hard drives and I'm upgrading to 8TB. I expect each disk to take three to seven days to resilver. If it is unsafe to use the array during the process, what command should I use to keep the array from being accessible? Thank you so much for any assistance, your friend Seth. He wrote me back within an hour. <laughs> I mean, that is this guy, you know, like just like, you know, ten words from this guy is like, you know, you should owe him a thousand bucks. Like, for real, like, in terms of technical consultation. And he wrote me back in an hour at, like, you know, 6 o'clock his time. <laughs> He's up in Canada. So, you know, if I believe in God... Well, anyway, I don't believe in God, but God bless you, Alan Jew, because he, he got back to me immediately. He said, oh, no, it's fine. You can do it. And he actually took the time to ask a couple of questions that I answered later in the afternoon, but I, 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 I thanked him and you know, because I don't, I don't want to take up too much of his time, but uh, no, it does not matter. It, it should be okay. It should be a-okay to use the array while you resilver. So, many, many fucking tank yous to M- <laughs> Monsieur Alain Jude. Oh, always one of my heroes. He is a computer. He is a computer. And it hurts being computer. Stop all the downloading! So, Okay, now let's... <laughs> also, oh man, this is Ivor. This is going to be a long fucking slog. It's going to be a drunk, sloppy episode. We'll try to keep this tight from here on out. I just had to tell someone that story, though. And you guys like Linux, and I like Linux, and... <laughs> Jude hates Linux. He loves BSD, but whatever. So, okay. Um, on top of that, I went insane at around 7 this morning and decided to, once again, delete all my Steam everything and start anew. <laughs> In the hopes of getting Pavlov VR to work 
And that was after I realized that I'd spent literally two and a half hours reading every fucking discussion thread on Steam about Pavlov VR and why you know people who are having problems with it not working. Because the Discord thread, the Discord channel is fuck. I mean, they were nice enough, but there were still some people like, oh yeah, you're an idiot. You think this runs on Windows? To which, and I will say this, as like the fucking, oh, you burnt bitches! To those guys, I replied in the chat with me live streaming it in virtual reality being recorded with another camera recording me live on the interwebs from five months ago and you know that pretty much shut everybody up and that really cuts through the fucking bullshit yeah no I don't need if you don't know what the fuck you're talking about then shut the fuck up and you don't necessarily have to shut the fuck up but don't be a fucking asshole it's like the like didn't your parents teach you this? Like, it, it, oh God. More idiots come on the internet every day. It's the internet that we knew would come and that we hoped would arrive and that we feared one day we would have to face. Where is that worn out wish that I threw aside? Yeah. Here's that rainy day. But that shut up basically everyone in their Discord. I didn't, you know, curse at anyone. I was, you know, very grateful. No help from the Discord. No help from the developer. And it is now, as of this uh, six days ago, as of six days ago, so, like, last Saturday or whatever, it's been three months that it's been broken for me, and it is the best and my favorite virtual reality game to play. So, I lost track of my train of thought. Oh, yeah. Which leads us, well, we're not going into the feature right now, but our feature this week is about another virtual reality game that is not as good as Pavlov for the ways in which Pavlov is good, but is the second best virtual reality game that you can play on Linux I would say it might be the best game if you're not into gunplay that much it might be the the best game that would be Boneworks so three months man like I, I so I went nuts I deleted everything and uh, guess what it still doesn't work I am I mean my thumb exploded last week and all this shit all this shit. Uh, and I'm trying to fucking upgrade the ZFS array. I'm trying to finish these books. I'm trying to do all this shit at once. Wah, 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 wah. Bottom line is, I lost track of my thought there. But the, bo- the bottom line... is basically Boneworks. Because I need something else I can play in VR that is as good. I mean, I love Space Pirate Trainer. It's great. In fact, I've actually been trying to learn how to do it sitting down, which is funny. But we'll talk about Boneworks in depth in mere moments. Also, many thanks go out to uh, Mr. 
Blaster PR, BPR, uh, hopefully has water and power again after the earthquake. Uh, he said that he had gotten power yesterday. Uh, he showed me his kit. He's got like a solar powered fucking Linux kit with all his games and shit. And he, he did a cistern after fucking Maria. Um, you know, so anyway, thoughts and prayers. But God bless you, Ellen Jude. God bless you, Mr. BPR. So BPR goes for like an entire three days, four days without Monster Hunter World, his beloved Monster Hunter World. The game that I see him playing all the time. Anytime that he's on, he's playing Monster Hunter World. And I remember when he he jumped in the Discord and just started posting these screenshots. Monster Hunter World! Best game in the world! Monster Hunter World! Best game in the world! He loves Monster Hunter World. And And because of him, I've been persuaded to give it another try if I ever find the time. So he waits these three or four days his power comes on literally like within two to three hours of Monster Hunter World pushing their new DLC update which breaks the game for Linux users via Proton and for Windows 7 users (laughs) I feel his pain the absence of Pavlov is like the absence of God's love in the prophecy starring Christopher Walken you know, you're dead, and you want to know. You want to know what is. You want. I'll tell you what it's like. It's just his absence. He won't look at you. Yeah. So that's when he fucking got the power restored, and he came. He's like, oh, I'm gonna jump on the game. Finally, yes, and that. No! So, if Monster Hunter World is broken for you, they're just waiting for an update to the uh, DLC update thing or whatever, Icewind or whatever. I saw, uh, <laughs> and I hope I hope BPR doesn't hold this against me, but I watched Ad Night live streaming. <laughs> so on his, he's a Windows gamer though. He's a good guy though. He's a very good guy. It looked really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a dick for saying that. So, okay, so that's Monster, Monster in the World, Pavlov VR. Three months is a long time to be unresponsive, by the way, in terms of Pavlov VR. And it's not just a Linux thing. It's like, I don't have an AMD graphics card because I'm, no offense to everyone who may accidentally possess one of those cards. I'm not a moron. Um, and I listen to myself. Everyone makes fun of me! It's been going on for over a year and a half now. Everyone's like, God, Skooky, why do you hate AMD GPU? Because they don't fucking work! Especially not on Linux. But anyway, Pavlov VR has been broken for a certain model of AMD GPU. But that's not my problem. I, I'm running NVIDIA uh, 1080 Ti. So anyway, three months is a long fucking time. And I guess they're just that Dayville's just does not give a fuck and is buried in making money hand over fist now that the game is taken off, which really sucks for those of us who were early adopters, longtime supporters, first time callers fix my game please please fix the fucking game so I thought we had to, we had to mark that 
Cause that's just brutal. It's really, it's it's really hard. You have no idea. It's my favorite game in all of VR. I've only gotten to play eleven hours of it because, and then they added zombies and that broke everything for me. It sucks. Cause that would make the game that I knew the greatest game ever made, more or less. So anyway, Monster Hunter uh, World broke with the last last update. And so now we have two features for you. We don't have a new and noteworthy this week. Oh, wait! Penciled in here. I gotta talk. Okay, we're gonna spend... Ivor, set the clock. It's never helped before. It'll certainly hurt now. On my mark. I'm waiting for it to go around again. Yeah, I know, it's like... Mark! Alright. Three minutes on Deadly Tower of Monsters. In 2016, I bought a copy of this game at full price through the Steam store. Um, the name of the game is Deadly Tower of Monsters, which built itself as a demi-isometric, uh, unbelievably detailed, hilarious, 3D-rendered, science fiction parody of science fiction movie science fiction movies from like the uh, late 50s, mid 60s um as told through director commentary that has now long since become so popular uh, with the advent of other games that focus on meta meta aspects of you know creative processes like the magic circle in which that that's all about game development. This game, though, was all about you play a cheesy fucking beef motion picture uh, action hero with a bubble dome fucking helmet and like a dick stick, which is like a night stick. Your name is Dick, and you have a ray blaster, and you have to climb the tower of the, the, the deadly tower of monsters. And I was so into this game, and I bought it. And it didn't work. And I bought it because I thought like maybe I could make it run on wine. This is four years ago. Well now, thanks to the miracle of Proton, it does work. You can check it out in our video of the week this week. It's appended to the show blurb for this week's episode. But Deadly Tower of Monsters, which retails now for 15 bucks, which I'm surprised at. I played it for two hours straight and live streamed all of it. It is hilarious and it is really fun to play and it is like a game that is made to play while stoned. Beyond that, it also supports Steam multiplayer couch play. And if you want to know what the game is like, there was a game called Planet of the Robot Monsters? What the fuck was it called? Fuck! Okay, either I just got a bad Google search result or I'm a fucking Dark Jedi genius in terms of memory. In spite of all the weed from the last two years, Escape from the Planet of the Robot Monsters. That's a MAME ROM. It was an arcade machine from uh, the 90s. Same thing, demi-isometric, but that game was 2D. This is all in 3D. It is just a fucking romp and I am so glad even though it's taken four years sure the graphics aren't 
you know, as fucking fantastic as they were, but the game still shines. I mean, not just the game, like, I mean, even the graphics still shine. They have their moments. Like, because it's, it's all a static tower of monsters. Uh, it's a roguelike, and it does support Steam Couch Play, which I have not yet tried. But that is, that's totally up there. Oh, shit. And if my buddy Blaster PR, BPR were Online with a functional internet connection and power and water and stuff, man. Fuck. Just, it's, oh man, I feel fucking terrible about BPR. And entire fucking Puerto Rico. I mean, fuck me harder. Like, what else, what else can happen? Fucking giant dildo gonna crush the sun only for Puerto Rico? Oh, it'll be fucking Trump's smiling face like green guy, like a fucking evil clown. Anyway. Oh, also, I saw Joker, by the way. And it was fantastic. It was slow, but very good. Very good. And Joaquin Phoenix, three things about Joaquin Phoenix. Unearthly, preternaturally brilliant performance. That's two things. And third thing, I love an actor who can dance in pantomime. And boy, can that motherfucker dance. Great movie. Um, Okay, so... Our two features this week are Refuge and Why It Sucks, which is something we don't do as often as we should. And our first impressions... Well, not our first impressions. Our multiple... I think we've got like four hours in it. Um, It's not a review, but it's like a... Yeah, it's a feature on Boneworks. The currently the reigning champion for the best virtual reality game you can play in the world but before we get to any of this I would like to read for you a poem because as heavily featured in last week's episode of the show uh, we talked about at great length this awesome game called this land is my land, in which you take on, it's like Grand Theft Auto, but an Indian resistance in the uh, mid to mid to, yeah, mid 18th century mid 19th century in America um, and I had this experience a couple nights ago, this is like basically how everything goes in this fucking game if you want to know more about the game go back and listen to last week's episode I spent like 30 minutes babbling about it, but I want to read you the poem that I wrote I called it Poem for This Land is My Land. I was hunting deer by the endless river, laughing as they scattered randomly, the sun so pretty on the rapids, above the falls, the birds in the branches, the dappled light on the ripples. When I saw the bear and then saw the other bear and the other more distant bear I turned to run but old Ephraim had smelled me and as I leapt off the side of a mountain I could hear his snarling so close behind me his claws left penman rake marks on my back help help bear fucking bears I shouted, cannonballing headfirst down the hill and over the boulders, face first to the trading outpost. We're all gonna fucking die! Bears! 
I ran around to the front of the gateless outpost where the drunken cowboys and tradesmen stood, swapping stories, spitting tobacco, cleaning their rifles, shotguns, breech loaders, Springfields, repeaters, Colts, pistols, six shooters, watching the sunrise. And it took all six of them, armed to the fucking teeth, waiting and ready, having been alerted, not by my pathetic unheard screams, but by the sound of the bear that was three meters behind me. And it took all six of them, armed to the fucking teeth, to kill that one grizzly that followed me in. And they put him down. They put him down, all eight feet of him. 500 pounds. Claws as big as a man's chest. They put him down. But not before it ripped the head off the man immediately behind me. (laughs) And then I looted both of them. I looted the bear and the corpse of the guy. And then, oh man, such a good game. That is, that actually happened in the game. Three bears chased me down the side of a mountain (laughs) into a trading outpost. Um, which are neutral, so like they don't they don't attack you, but they will attack the bears. <laughs> oh my god, it was so fucking scary. Never heard sound design like this. When they finish this game, it is going to be incredible. So now, Ivor, let's base them with the feature because well, no, let's not base them with the feature. I want to take a moment because we don't do this very often. We try to focus on the positive aspects of Linux gaming here on the Best Linux Games Podcast, because that's in the name. It's not called the Worst Linux Games Podcast. Which is why, like, to my memory, you don't hold me to this, but I'm pretty sure we've only ever run three truly negative reviews or features of a game. And we've only run one truly negative review of a game. Maybe two. Because there was that one other one. But the first one was that a black and white game? Uh, not not the game black and white. It was a game that was all black. Never mind. Doesn't matter. I want to tell, I want to take a moment to tell you why you should not buy this game called Refuge. R e f u g e. And I'm going to do this in under one under one minute. But first, more whiskey. This one minute. Instantaneous Why Refuge Sucks segment is brought to you by the Black Level Distilleries of Canada. Letter Q. P. It's good for drinking. And the letter P. It's good for drinking. Here we go. Let's let us stop. Ladies and gentlemen, Squeeze Brad is taking the pudding. He's raising the glass of whiskey to his lips. He stands the room in rapt attention. To absent friends, he says. Oh, but his lips missed the glass, and oh, his shot! It's go- oh, it is! It is not good! And the glass of whiskey has drained down the front of his tuxedo shirt, and his mortarboard explodes, but in spots. 
laughing. Everyone's screaming. Fat women are beating each other up. Clutching pearls. Yes, so cheers to special moments like this. Wouldn't now be a good time for a piece of rhubarb pie? Okay, so. Mm. In under one minute, why you should not buy Refuge. And before we go into it, I'm, I'm telling you this because this game looks really cool on a Steam Store page, and it is relatively brand new. If my memory is correct, Ivor, you're fucking fired! I told you to fucking... Oh, boy. I've spent less than one minute inside of this game. I want the store page open. Yeah, this was released January 7th, 2020, which is why I want to warn you off from buying this. Do not waste your time. Do not waste your bandwidth. Do not waste your money. Now, my one minute. And our policy is not to review any game that we haven't spent 20 hours in and or beaten. But this game is so bad. You need to be warned off. Here are my my theses. Behold my theses. I made them fresh for you in the bathroom. My theses. Theses. Oh, good lord! No! No, they're good! They're good thoughts! Oh, theses! Not feces! Ah, I see. I was about to have you committed. Now I'm talking to myself in the third person. It's crazy town here. Absolute bedlam. So, why Refuge sucks? One, big, dumb, empty game. Two, looks like a pretty hybrid of Near Automata and Devil May Cry 5. But no, do not be fooled. The vast nothingness awaits, which leaves a player marvel at the claw simulation of the character's fucking trench coat, which is tricky, beautiful, but absolutely fucking pointless. Zero gameplay out of the trench coat. I haven't played a game that felt this much like an early, like early access got like out of the lab too early, like it escaped, like an early access title escaped from its like fucking, you know, servile bondages, like, you know, strapped to a wall or whatever. Um, got out of the lab too early in a long time. It reeks. It is absolutely fucking horrible. Do not get tricked into buying this game. Seriously, I wish I could take back the one minute of my life that I spent learning these truths for you, gentle listener. And again, I try not to, you know, highlight the negative too much, but this game and it's it's like four terabytes. So if you're like on limited bandwidth and you see this and it looks really pretty in the screenshots and they did a good job like creating the game is fucking awful. It is bad. It is really bad. In fact, I had to check in that one minute. I checked four times because I was stoned when this happened. If it was or was not, in fact, early access, I checked, went back to the game. Oh, no, 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 that can't be right. I checked again. Oh, I can't be right. Went back to the game. Oh, this can't be right. I checked again. I'm like, oh, God, this game is just the worst piece of shit I've played in a long time. It looks really pretty. Do not be fooled. 
And for yeah, for those of you on limited ba- bandwidth, I mean, four gigabytes is you know not an inconsiderable. It's really more that than the actual money because you can get a refund for it. You know, Steam has yet to reject any of my requests for refunds, including ones that like I made a year after. I think almost a year after I purchased the game. Um, but anyway. So, now, Ivor, based on with the feature, and then we can get out of here. We're going to talk about some Boneworks. Perfect. Oh, my God. It's the Libyans. The Libyans! Never gonna let you down. I can read your mind. This week's feature. I can't read you. I can't read you. I can read your mind. Take it, Scooky. The Libyans! Okay, we just might be able to get out of here in under an hour. So for those of you, for the uninitiated, Boneworks is the heavily anticipated, and when I say heavily anticipated, like every fucking live streamer and every fucking game vlogger and shit on YouTube has spent the last year slavering, salivating, hungry, like like a wolf! Over Boneworks because they they debuted a, they debuted a brief demo a while ago blah 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 you know I'm crazy for it I talked about it a little bit uh, over the last couple of episodes of this show but now I really want to share like eh, big in depth first impressions of it first thing that you need to know is that this game is a combination of basically the physics based elements of Pavlov VR minus the um, firearm uh, realism of Pavlov VR. You take that, put it in a first-person shooter with stick-driven locomotion, meaning like on the knuckles controllers for the valve, for the valve index, uh, you use the um, D-sticks to turn and and move and run and crouch and stuff. So it's like controller-based locomotion. Not teleporting. It runs smoothly. You have your it has the best hand, finger recognition of any game I've played with the index. It is flawless and fluid to flip anything off. It has in place of um other games like uh, I uh, I expect you to die, which is like a static virtual reality experience where you have to use a complex series of controller buttons to like pull things towards you and shit, but you can't move. Unlike that, this uses a much more elegant method of telekinesis. You reach out to something with your hand open and you close your hand. If there's like a little, if the little dot appears on, you can do this very quickly, and you can do it with both hands too, if you want. So, like, you drop your gun, you just look at the floor, you and it's back in your hand. Um, you want to pull a coffee cup from across the room, and you're, bam, it's in your hand. It is such a fluid and natural thing that that in of itself would be regarded as like a major innovation, like just in terms of like the fluidity. Um, an accuracy of the telekinesis that you do in the game. Because it, it, it eliminates all sorts of problems. Like, for me, one of my biggest fucking problems is 
when you drop a gun, like in a game like Pavlov VR, which I'm gonna keep bringing up because I fucking miss Pavlov VR, okay? Alright? It's like, you know, my ex-girlfriend, okay? But worse. Because I actually fucking love this game. <laughs> that was funny. Um, You drop a gun and you have to like literally get down on your knees to pick it up in most other games. Big pain in the ass. Generally, in virtual reality, the way you obviate this fucking... It's an Oculus fault, really, is by just... When you do your room setup is by uh, decreasing your actual height by about four inches. So you don't have to get on your fucking knees to pick up your gun if something's on the floor. All of that is out the window now. Now you have telekinesis, and it's great. The guns are very realistic. The physics, though, are what is... Are, are, the physics are what steal the show so you take Pavlov VR remove a lot of the gun stuff but there are lots of guns in this game three that I've used um, with realistic semi-realistic loading reloading the first one that you get is my favorite pistol of all time like SOCOM I think it's a 44, uh, 45 Magnum uh, variant of the SOCOM. It's a big fucking SOCOM fucking pistol. With the- <laughs> it's awesome. The dropping the clip and reloading all that shit is not as good as it is in Pavlov VR. But for the most part, you won't be using guns in this game. This game combines Pavlov VR with the original Portal in a lot of ways. However, it makes Portal look like nasty trash. Because you can interact with anything easily, flawlessly, in the most realistic way that I've ever been able to interact with any object in any virtual reality uh, game, say nothing of a simulator. And this is a first-person shooter. The physics in the game, although they can be, if the game is still in early access, the physics can get a little fucking weird. In fact, it can get very fucking weird. And we'll, we'll, we'll revisit that when we get back to the guns in a moment. But uh, you're an employee at uh, Ken Huge Co. or whatever the fuck the name of the company is. And uh, you're doing your daily tasks. This is, there's no cinema in the game, except for the very first cinema that I've seen which is you watching a movie screen playing a full motion video of ostensibly you breaking into a secret closet room with a fucking NEC monitor from 1997 oh EVGA oh baby and then plugging in your super secret custom built virtual reality headset thing about this game is that it is so meta and the humor is so good and every aspect of it is so worth exploring that the tutorial which took me I think right around an hour and a half to complete there's so much in the tutorial that you don't even see because you're in this museum of virtual reality that Can Huge Core is building 
to uh, document their massive achievements in the field of virtual reality. Um, and it's all great, but there are no other people. Now, what do I mean by a physics-based uh, virtual reality first-person shooter type simulation? Well, when you pick up a crowbar and you hold it in your hand, what is a crowbar? I wrote this in a book, actually. It's in Blue Wizards About to Die. What is a crowbar? I can't believe I'm quoting myself. That's incredibly poor taste, but what is a crowbar? A stick, some metal, a split. Well, when you have the crowbar in your hand, say there's some lockers in front of you, and these lockers don't have locks on them. They're like dirty old fucking high school gym lockers with like a depressed fucking punch stamped uh, handle that's, you know, all one and the same as the frontispiece. You can, from a distance if you want to, slide that hook right into that, uh, right underneath that handle and open that fucking blah. One of my favorite, you open that locker with the crowbar at whatever move you want, at whatever move you wish. You want to switch hands the crowbar, well, you just fucking use your other hand and you take it out of your hand. You want to use two hands, you fucking hold it in both hands. Um, you want to switch the way you're swinging it? Well, you gotta fucking move your hand. You know, you gotta move it up. Like, let's say you want more of like a, a cantilevered, you know, let's say you got it like jammed in a in a little gap and you want to pry that open. Well, then, you know, you move your hand up, you just, it's it all feels very normal very natural it feels so normal and natural, it's preternatural also locomotion is fantastic in the game, climbing, jumping and uh, running less so, but crawling and uh, inventory management are also exceptional one of my favorite things to do in the game is actually just to sit in the stand in the fucking break room and by the way, this game you can play it seated or standing. However, I will get to that. We'll get to my problems with playing it seated in a moment. I think we might be able to get out of here in an hour and fifteen. Ivor, it's going to be a miracle. That means we're going to be here forever. So one of my favorite things to do is just stand there in the break room and uh, with the crowbar in my right hand, picking up fucking coffee cups or whatever items I can, you know, telekinesis power force grab in my left hand and throwing them up and clack! Coffee cup baseball. That is the type of game this is. However, the portal aspects of it are pronounced. And I'm not going to tell you anything about the gift shop at the end of the museum or what lies beyond it but I will tell you this you can pick up and break almost anything in this game if it's a very heavy object it does, you do need to use two hands to move it or to drag it, to carry it to put it, to place it blah you can climb up almost any pipe any 
ladder, any rope, any monkey bar, anything that you could normally grab, you can climb on. This makes, and you can do it very quickly, efficiently, and in a realistic feeling way, even when you're sitting, that does not in any way inhibit the overall sensation of realism and amazement, because this is like the first real virtual reality adventure game, first person adventure game that I've ever played. It's exactly what I wanted Pavlov VR to become, but they took out all like the fun gun stuff from Pavlov VR and they replaced it with other stuff. So, when you encounter your first enemies, what do you do? You don't have a crowbar, you don't have any weapon. It's And the game doesn't set you up for this sort of shit. It doesn't explain this sort of shit, which is one of the nicest things about this game. It just lets you fucking go, bitches, and you start to get the sense that maybe something is really, really desperately wrong at Kenhujko. Also notable, by the way, and this is a spoiler alert, it's not uh, plot spoiler alert, but it is one of the most amazing things I've ever done. So I'm sitting here in my living room, I mean the Fortress of Darkness, in the studio, wearing my virtual reality headset in real life. In the gift shop, there are all these different models of virtual reality headsets, and you can put them all on. And all of them change everything that you see. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's just like you add a heads-up display that's like all different. I took mine off. I, I, I lost it. But anyway, so you, you're now facing your first enemy, and it's a humanoid. Mainly, the, the, the real quote-unquote puzzles in the game are puzzles of traversal and geography. So it's kind of like a first-person virtual reality Prince of Persia set in like a portal-like uh, dystopian universe in which the corporation for, that you work for has gone a wee bit astray and perhaps you are the one to write it, perhaps you are just another one, who knows. So when you fight your first humanoid victim, I mean, I don't mean victim, uh, your first humanoid, what do you use? Use your fists. You fucking fist box them and punch them in the face. Break their heads. They don't look like people. They look like people. They look humanoid, but they are like matrix creatures. They're composed of interleaving um, triangular uh, nodes of light and energy that somehow add up to coagulated matter in a humanoid form with an independent ability to think and reason that I don't understand. There's no like sinister AI that I've detected yet. Even better though, if you die, you have to start like the whole fucking little section, the checkpoint section over, which can be quite a bit depending on where you die. Even better than your fist though. See a brick lying around? Use a brick. Use a brick on their head. In fact, don't even get close enough to use the brick on their head. If there's three bricks at your feet or like in a corner and there's a guy over there, you get pick up a brick, throw it at his head, hit him in the head, pick up another brick, throw it at his head. Oh, but he'll be on to you then. And if he has friends, they will be eagerly coming too. And then you save the last brick for beating them in the face until they die. And then when you run over their corpse, you will fucking automatically smushy stamp 
curb stomp their fucking undead goddamn cyber zombie heads. I have no mouth, but I must scream fucking glowing orange humanoid people. Um, you'll curb stomp their jaw right back through their spinal column. Uh, they're already dead, but you'll do it. Mm. It is amazing. Shooting them is even more fun, but we'll get to that in a moment. I want to take 30 seconds to express one of the most cool things that I did in the tutorial part of the game that, that I think accurately reflects the physics aspect of the game. And it's still in early access. By the way, like, I mean, there are some physics things in the game that when they go buggy, they go really buggy. Like, you can be holding a fucking. 25 pound, 30 pound sledgehammer and there can be these old style wooden and um, wooden and ring, metal ring barrels and you can hit them as hard as you can, you can swing as hard as you can with the fucking sledgehammer and they won't break but then you do it the other way and they'll break sometimes sometimes they'll break on the first try meanwhile you can pick up a hammer a claw hammer, a small claw hammer and beat on them forever and they'll never break, no matter how hard you swing. Other times, my first game, for instance, BAM! Just like one swing and it was gone. Same thing with throwing objects across the room, although the throwing of the objects across the room, if you've experienced super hot VR and you remember the uh, Shuriken and the Ninja Stars, how difficult those were to actually throw accurately, this game takes that concept, it's like a distant memory of the past, it's like the before times, throwing in this game is much more accurate than it is in Super Hot VR but it doesn't always correlate to the velocity of your hand these might be some problems that I'm having with my virtual reality rig at, at large but I it just depends. It's it's like I, first time I played the game, I had no problem with destroying things, you know. Blah, blah. But the coolest thing is that it's all coming together. It's all really come together already in Boneworks. Like the physics is the most robust physics engine. It makes Half Life Two and the Gravity Gun or whatever the fuck it was look like absolute pussy shit. Cause in one of the first tutorial rooms, this is what I meant by the physics thing before I got sidetracked with the barrel thing, and then we'll talk about the guns, and then we'll be done. There is a pulley (coughs) that is attached from the floor on a, you know, diagonal you know, like 90, 45 degree angle, something like that. I don't know. It doesn't go straight up. Yeah. It's like, you know, blah. It's like a triangle to a pulley on the ceiling and the rope runs between these two they're not pulleys, they're they're, um, cable reels the one is moving the rope from the lower one to the upper one and you start above them and you jump down there and you want to get up to where that upper one is, you just reach up and you just grab the rope and just hold on to it with one hand because it's pulling you up 
You can hand over hand it if you want to make it go faster. And then to your left in that same room are a set of monkey bars that go up three stories. Um, and that you can hand over hand as you're going up these fucking monkey bars like a fucking ninja. And there are places where, like, literally, you just ledge grab anything. You can ledge grab anything, but you can really climb on pipes and you can grab onto railings. You can grab onto ledges. I have a hard time getting over railings if you're hanging. I don't know exactly the move to do that with, but it doesn't matter. Then you explore and you kill a lot of things and you get the really disquieting sense that maybe this corporation, maybe this well, I won't tell you anything about the story mainly because I know so little of it by the time you get to the firearms and here's where the game really I'm just going to say it game really sucks for me at this point once you get the firearms, the firearms feel great, they aim, you aim down the sights just like you do in fucking Pavlov VR almost as good as Pavlov VR I've used the SOCOM and I've used uh, the MP5, there's like an SMG that's like an MP5 reloading your guns is not that difficult in this game what is insanely frustratingly infuriatingly mind bendingly catastrophically in fact because it's the only reason why I'm talking to you now instead of playing this fucking game again right now why I haven't logged 10,000 hours in it is because Pavlov VR still doesn't work and this game has this one problem people on the live stream have seen me try to do this you can holster sidearms basically underneath your armpit you have to be exactly right you have to put your hand exactly like we're talking within like inches oh before you let go of the gun for it, in order for it to go into one of your holsters that's pretty difficult you will drop your gun a lot luckily there's not a lot of places outside of the tutorial where you get to even have a gun um, but the, the, oh, the other thing I wanted to mention was the sheer amount of modeling that goes on throughout the museum before you get to the gift shop and stuff and points beyond it shows you the entire evolution of like what you look like when you're doing what you're doing in virtual reality but it's a museum in virtual it's fucking beyond crazy brilliant so back to the guns and this is where the game really really sucks for me I'm sure that like I'm sure that I'll get five fucking DMs on the Twitter box telling me oh you gotta read this fucking thread it tells you how to fucking set up your height and everything perfectly I spent four hours doing this dropping your gun every time you try to holster it or dropping your crowbar every time you try to over your shoulder holster it dropping it behind you that's what happens each time for for both of those like because theoretically you have two holsters on your hips 
you have one holster on your back for a long gun or like a, a crowbar or like a sledgehammer or whatever, a big thing. Your ammo is on a belt around your waist. So when you try to holster your gun and you get no feedback, whatever, whatsoever, before this happens, I remember there being a faint vibration the first time that I played um, about a month ago on the live stream, but I didn't detect it uh, two nights ago when I when I played it again for this review. Well, it's not a review. This is a feature. Give me 20 hours and we'll have a full fucking review of this. But when you try to holster your gun and you put your hand exactly where you thought you did before and you drop your gun, you don't just drop your gun like on the ground in front of you. You drop your gun behind you. So now you have to look and then force grab your gun and then I've literally spent upwards of 40 minutes in the game cumulatively of trying to holster and draw my weapon. Horrendously bad. It is really bad. One guy who was watching the live stream suggested that maybe I played in standing mode, but the game recommends that you played in sitting mode, and I prefer sitting mode, considering that you can't dodge. It's not like, you know, you're controlling time and shit and doing matrix stuff. It's more like a geographical puzzle solver. You gotta figure out how to get from here to there, and sometimes that might mean grabbing onto handles of revolving, self-floating, interconnected molecular cubes that have giant monkey wrench handles on them that spin once you grab them they flip around like a roulette wheel and then you have to fucking climb them all you know shit like that which is super fun and amazing or figure out how to get past a fucking turret gun or how to kill these five guys or you know breaking open boxes for all the special goodies and surprises that might be inside what you do with your fists or with a brick or with other boxes or just throwing boxes to have this degree of uncertainty and fuzziness with the holstering and unholstering of your weapons basically ruins the game for me it is still in early access I'm sure that they're going to fix it they it, literally it's the best use of the index controllers that I've ever seen so they were on board with the index controllers the knuckles controllers for the f- independent finger tracking long before anybody else was um, and they're still improving the game it's still in early access etc 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 but I can't summon the will to live very much when I can't holster and unholster my gun. And that's the biggest problem, is drawing your weapon. If you thought that holstering your weapon was hard, drawing your weapon is goddamn next to impossible. Luckily, if you, like I, am evidently motor skills challenged or somehow in, you know, like out of sorts with the game's model of the universe, as I evidently am, they've taken precautions. You can press the B button, which brings up your inventory on your left hand. You press the B button. I think it's the B button. Anyway, you press a button on your left hand and it, it'll bring up the menu and you just literally, it's, it takes less than a second to bring up your inventory and your inventory is represented to you as a holographic projection in front of you 
one-to-one scale of everything you have. So if you have two SOCOM pistols, the holster slots, which are always are the same on the inventory screen, are right there and they're full. They have the guns and you literally just reach out and take them. Putting them away is not exactly that easy because now you have these two guns and you have to figure out which button did I press and blah blah blah. Breaks the action. You know what I will tell you that's good about the guns is I have shot things in the head both with the SOCOM and with the uh, MP5 at great distances with control bursts of fire that have been entirely accurate. Um, not as accurate as they would be in Pavlov VR, blah, blah. In any case, the reason why I'm not playing the game right now is because it's impossible to holster your fucking weapons and it's doubly impossible to unholster them. Hopefully that'll get worked out. If you have a virtual... So in short, right now, this is not a review, it's a feature, but in short, if you have a virtual reality headset, you're running Linux, you want a game, a virtual reality game that will blow your friends' minds, really show them what can be done with virtual reality, full, immersive, completely explorable, realistic, good-looking, story-driven, Portal-esque, but not as obnoxious as Portal, Virtual Reality Boneworks is the game for you. And Boneworks is 30 bucks. Still in early access. Absolutely worth it. Look to this space in future weeks for a full and complete review. And that'll do us. Oh man, we close out everything. Let's see. Uh, we got, yeah, this land is my land. We did the poem. We did the Tower of Monsters. We did Monster Hunter Broke. We did the resilvering thing. We thanked Alan Jude. We thanked Blaster PR, BPR, many props, and you know, stay safe out there. And uh, Boneworks and Why Refuge sucks. So that'll do us for this week. I'm gonna get really drunk and stoned and play a lot of fucking video games, even though I have to install them all again. Uh, I this time I did remember. Oh, final piece of news. This is tragic. So I rmrf hyphen rf, you know, dot dot steam space, you know, slash uh, asterisk delete everything in my steam folder and the second after I entered the command, I felt so confident, as always. I'm like, no! Because, special friend of the show, Servox, whose name looks like Cervix, and who was kind of mean to me when I tried to jump in and get the fuck out with him GTFO um week before Christmas he pointed out to me that the uh Proton GitHub repository for the special Proton all in one packages those are the ones with the special designation of like GE 1.14 and shit like that. Um, he sent me a message like, man, they they just took it away. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he just sent me the link and I went and I read their fucking page again. They pulled a lot of this good stuff that made that the all-in-one 
uber Swiss army knife of if your game in Proton doesn't work, specifically designate this one because of Media Foundation and Microsoft copyright potential problems. And the fucked up thing about this is that Echo, I got Echo to run using 19.1 of the GE special Proton GitHub shit. That is the version that they pulled. And so when I deleted everything in my Steam, I deleted all of that, and there is no way to replace it. So we'll see if Echo runs again. I doubt it. But whatever. Whatever. Alright, that's our episode this week. Ah, An hour and 30 minutes. Not bad. We did two features this week and a poem. Cheers. Thanks for listening. I will catch you next week. There's something else I'm forgetting, but fuck it. I'm exhausted, and it's time to get fucking drunk tore up from the floor up prepare for my surgery I'm operating on a delicate morsel tonight <laughs> cheers what's that I for what'd you say about me now you listen and you listen for you're going to be a meek little housewife with horn rimmed spectacles and you're going to stay away from men and juke joints and booze and pinball machines and you're going to wear a skirt and low-heeled shoes and you're going to wear a girdle and especially a girdle Four or five times A good idea Four or five times Hi there There is delight in doing things right Four or five times It is I, E.B. Farnham Maybe I'll cry I'll get you a drink. And if I die, I'm gonna try four or five times. Do you like to play? We like to play. I like you. We like to sing. It only runs on Linux. We like to go. Yaddy yaddy yo. Four or five times. We're gonna have such fun. Bebop one. You're becoming hysterical. Bebop two. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Bebop three. Yaddy yaddy. Four or five times. Matt business bad fuck you pay me oh you had a fire fuck you pay me place got hit by lightning huh fuck you pay me burn everything incriminating including this building burn all the white house pets and then yourselves burn yourselves first there is no windows version of weaponized chess boy this is fucking ponderous man Ponderous, fucking ponderous. It only runs on Linux. It's not a problem. You alienated part of America. I alienated crazy people. I like it very much. It is I, E.B. Farnham. You're becoming hysterical. I'm here. I'm there. I'm fucking everywhere. I'm the Eggman. The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. 
for details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. For great justice.